Hey everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life podcast brought to you by Product Marketing Alliance. My name is Emma Bellardi and I'm a content marketer here at PMA. This week's podcast is sponsored by Product Marketing Core, PMA's very own product marketing certification program with 11 modules, 68 chapters, 87 exam questions, 10 plus hours worth of learning and official PMA certification. Product Marketing Core covers the A to Z of product marketing essentials. For more information, head to pmnalliance.co slash pmmc. As part of this series, we're connecting with PMMs all over the world about various product marketing topics. And in this episode, we're joined by Matthew Ventrella. We'll be discussing the product marketing process and how it ties into a culture focused on ownership, feedback, and continuous improvement. Matthew is a product marketing manager at Upwork. He's a full stack marketer with a history of excellence in launching products, building brands, and effective digital marketing. And we're thrilled to have him with us today. Thanks for joining us, Matthew. Hey, Emma. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Uh, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role at Upwork? Definitely. So first, thank you for inviting me to speak on the show. In my role, I focus more on the client or demand side of the platform. I own one of our major product offerings called Project Catalog, uh, which we actually just launched globally last week. Um, so things have been a little bit busy. <laughs> um in addition to Project Catalog, I've worked on a variety of other products like direct contracts and payroll, all while focusing on ways to scale our product marketing team through processes and tooling. Our product marketing team actually refreshed about a year and a half ago. The team went through some fundamental changes, moving from a, a very executional downstream team to a team now that's really focused on being leaders in strategy and planning while still delivering. I also can't resist a quick plug. We're a small but mighty team with incredible leadership and growing very quickly. Uh, we do have a few roles open, so please check them out after listening. Awesome. So today we're going to discuss the product marketing process and how that ties into a culture focused on ownership, feedback, and continuous improvement. So can you tell our listeners what that actually means to you? Yeah, absolutely. So to help illustrate what it means to me, let's try something quickly with our listeners. I want you to visualize a successful, high-performing marketing team. They could be at your current company, from a past company, one that you've worked with or even read about. Think big. Think about how they pushed boundaries, operated at high levels, and influenced organizations. Now, let's take a moment to think about the top qualities of this team. What separates them from average teams? Why are they so successful? There's probably a few qualities that came to mind. Things like a, a clear identity, a, a deep knowledge of what customers want, diversity of thought and perspective, maybe striking outputs, strong stakeholder relationships, or high levels of communication. To me, all these traits tie back to a few foundational pillars, with really the, the most prominent being a clear operating model with a strong set of processes weaved in. These defined processes really allow teams to be able to move forward. You know, it, it basically acts as like a springboard um, to, to really focus on what's important, which is delivering outstanding outputs. When processes and operating models are defined, you can really start setting some, some clear guidelines of ownership and expectations on how to get things done. Um, Ultimately, what this does is it, it frees up time for owners to find optimizations and conduct research and test hypothesis, whether it be with external customers or internal stakeholders and teams or even just developing themselves. 
in addition to, to you know, time saving and, and all that greatness, um, <laughs> there's also operating models that can help you really refine your team culture. So, you know, building the, the expectations and values for your team. When you start adding values that focus on scalability, feedback, and optimizations, that's really kind of the, the core or the starting point for a continuous improvement culture. The deployment of a continuous improvement culture really comes kind of in, in different forms, whether it be through optimizing internal tooling and processes, uh, self-learning and improvement, like I said earlier, um, external feedback on products, or looking to get ahead of external threats, you know, competitors and, and different things that are changing in the market. To give a, a real-world example of a continuous improvement on a, in a product sense, um, I can expand a little bit more on our recent launch of Project Catalog. Mm -hmm. So after deciding to try a, a different route with the launch, we decided to implement a launch and learn process, which basically meant releasing an alpha and a beta um, to really like test the product and to get a better understanding of user reactions, uh, gauge feedback, and really to just focus on creating the best possible product for our customers. For the alpha, we targeted a small group of users from a, a series of different personas with in-app messages um, and, and emails to try to get them to use the product. We then recruited both active and, and non-active users to really focus on hearing their point of view. And then we took all that information that we learned from them and documented it and really focused on ways that we could get this information to the product team as well as to the CX team and a couple other teams to focus on ways that we can prioritize critical features and make adjustments that are required. This work led to you know, a handful of modifications and additional features for the next launch, which was our beta. Um, and that happened about a month later. Um, and we, with the beta, we went to a, a larger audience subset to test this new experience, you know, the new features, and just kind of validate some of the thinking that we had. Um, we kept the, the testing quite similar, but we also added quanti quantitative surveys uh, to understand user behavior and concerns at scale. Again, we found new areas to improve upon and critical usability fixes that needed to happen prior to our GA launch. Um, and, and really, you know, this work allowed us to not only improve our product prior to going live, but also set our roadmap for the next few months after our GA launch, right? So mm -hmm. we, we identified really core features and functions that our users needed to be successful while using it. Um, and now, you know, we'll continue expanding upon that post-launch um, and, you know, are already looking at our next subset of, of features that we're going to roll out. The uh, really from, from here, our focus remains, um, you know, on continuing to grow and optimize the products, conducting even more interviews, and just, again, focusing on gaining and gathering as much feedback as possible to really make our product as customer-centric as possible. That's it. Great. So do you have any tips or actionable ways on how product marketers can create a continuous improvement culture? Yeah, definitely. So first and foremost, change management is really hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no, there's no other way of going about it. Um, you know, changing mindsets, changing the way that people behave is, is definitely a challenging thing yep. and it requires a lot of buy-in, right. And it requires a lot of education to, to take others on the journey. Mm -hmm. So to help 
get change off the ground, it's, it's really vital to have a clear outcome of where the team should go and an outline of what actually needs to change, right? And this is really where you can start planting the continuous improvement thinking. You know, ideating a future state that targets this consistent optimization, yeah. right? Um, without a proposed outcome, you're really just kind of a rudderless ship with, with no direction, right? You're just kind mm -hmm. of spinning around and, and <laughs> swirling and not really getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. So another, just, uh, I guess a quick tip would be to set micro goals. Um, so the road is inevitably going to be bumpy. So it helps to get smaller micro goals put in place to help make sure that you really stand on track and ship at the, the broader picture. Once you've really focused on this outline of where you want to be, the next step is to get buy-in from your team. And this is really, really critical. I've found that the best way to do this is by holding a session where you can just bring the whole team together and, and discuss this vision, you know, discuss this, this outcome and have the team focus on creating a, a set of values and principles. What this does is it, it really allows you to on setting the tone for the team and getting an, uh, a sense of community. Um, I like to use the phrase, it's, it's everybody's getting on the bus. You know, you're all headed in the same direction. You're all together. And, and, you know, you all have the kind of same ideas to where you want to go. Absolutely. From here, the focus is now on establishing ground rules. Um, so building a, a new operating model to, to work this new culture into. So this means explaining the roles and responsibilities of product marketing in your organization. You know, you're implementing your new, your team's new values. Uh, focusing on how your team interacts with other teams, how your team interacts with one another. Um, and, and also near and dear to my heart is written processes and templates, right? So how do you actually get the things done? How do you create these scalable processes that you can, you can keep implementing so that your team runs from the same, the same core element and they, they all start in the same place. Yeah. Um, another quick plug, the Product Marketing Alliance has some <laughs> fantastic templates. Um, Thank you. So I've, yes, yes. <laughs> so I've, I've been, um, you know, jumping through some of the templates and definitely getting some, some great, um, some great inspiration uh, for, for different ways that we can implement some more of these processes and some more of this thinking. So definitely um, check that out. Uh, in addition to that, there's also the Sherbird community um, who has some really great insights from other marketers. So I guess what I'm trying to say is utilize the resources that are available to you on the internet. There's a ton of information out there and there are people who have done exactly where, you know, exactly what you are doing. Um, mm -hmm. so, so look out for that information. To reinforce this new thinking into everyday team interactions, I suggest doing two things. First, tie this vision into team and individual OKRs. Look at ways that you can convert high-level thinking into more actionable results, right? And then second is to be active. So push your team to be champions of this new ideology. Encourage them to share documents with one another, share your ideas for improvements, and, and really just ask them to do the same. You know, be that, be that role model, be that person who's, who's really driving this change. Mm -hmm. um, at Upwork, you know, for, for our product marketing team, it's, it's very common for a PMM to share work 
uh, tooling, education, processes, you name it, with the rest of the team for feedback or for awareness. And I think it, it really comes down to our underlying values, which is that we really understand and support each other and the, the growth and betterment of one another in an open space. So from that point, then it's all about turning this newfound behavior into a long-term habit, embedding it into the DNA of the team. Um, and, you know, kind of further establishing this, you can do things like sharing your team wins with the wider org, right? And we love customer stories and, and case studies, right? So mm -hmm. make a case study or, or story about your team and tell the successes and the highlights of this new way of working. Um, when it comes to tips too, um, I just have a, a couple quick ones um, that help you just as you kind of go through this process. First is role and owner clarity. So, you know, really focusing on ways that we can define what product marketing does and get really, really clear with other stakeholders as to where they kind of lie in this, this larger picture. Um, ensure also that it's clear to your team that all feedback should come from a place of positive intent, right? So nothing will destroy openness faster than fear of ridicule. Um, you know, so we really want to focus on creating a kind of a, an open, safe environment where you can kind of test and throw out ideas and, and really, you know, build this, this kind of rapport with one another. In addition to that, like I said earlier, being active, right? It's so critical to be active. It takes work, uh, to get behavior to change. So consistently keep at it. You know, things are going to be hard and, and people are going to be reluctant to change, but if you keep at it you're likely going to end up uh, getting to that, that stage. And then last is be vocal. So really think about how you're communicating out with the team, how you're communicating out with other stakeholders um, and, and making sure that you're again, highlighting these changes and, and really rewarding people for, for making this, this, um, this leap of faith, if you will. That's cool. some excellent advice. Um, so are there any tools that you could recommend to help product marketers streamline or track this process? Yeah. So when it comes to tooling, I'm a big, big fan of Coda. Mm -hmm. um, so it's C-O-D-A Coda. Um, it provides like incredible amounts of flexibility. Um, I personally love it because you can really create a, a centralized document to store various formats of information, whether it be spreadsheets or just like your, your regular kind of tech stock. Um, the best thing for me is the fact that they're consistently investing and improving the tool. Um, so adding new features, um, just making it better and better. Uh, plus they, they also feature templates, which I, I, as you can tell, like <laughs> a lot. Um, so being able to, to kind of get into the mind of, of others um, and see how people tackle problems, I think is, it, it's a really interesting way to think differently about the way that you can approach um, challenges and things like that. Awesome. Um, but, but more generally, when it comes to tools, I think the really the, the first step when thinking about a tool is that it's universal, right? And that everyone on your team, um, whether it be, you know, your product team, your analytics team, if you have a research team, all these different teams have access to it because at the end of the day, when you pull all these ass, uh, these these insights together, you collect feedback, you you know operationalize everything. It's 
it's going to be really hard to share that information if it's just locked to your team or if other teams can't get into it. Mm -hmm. Right. So really focusing on that in addition to ensuring that the tool has an ability to store and display the information in a repeatable way. Again, templates. Um, so the ability to make something into a template, you can find a way to build cohesion amongst your team so that everyone is, is really working from the same starting point. And that really helps with making sure that when we're making improvements, we're all kind of universally doing it as opposed to people kind of shooting off into a hundred different directions. When it comes to tracking processes um, for cultures of, of continuous improvement, um, you know, if your processes are working, then there's a high chance that your general marketing OKRs are going to be doing quite well, right? So mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're doing the right things and you're following the, the right way that you set up your processes, it's likely that you're going to start seeing some success with just the general running of the team. Um, you know, almost like the, the proof is in the pudding, if you will. <laughs> um, and the other thing too, though, is that you can also track metrics that align to setting up processes, right? So, or, or building this culture of continuous improvement. So focusing on ways that you can deliver, you know, X amount of insights to the product team, or you are refreshing your operating model or, or different ways like that. So thinking about, again, taking these high level ideas and then breaking them down into lower level OKR results, um, really forcing that, it's it basically a forcing function um, to, to make sure that you deliver on it. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about processes again. Um, in your opinion, what are the most vital processes that product marketers should have ownership of? Yeah. So in my opinion, product marketers should really own four core areas and then the processes that are associated with them. Mm -hmm. So the first core area is developing customer and market insights. Uh, to, to ultimately inform product strategy. And really the processes in this area are creating competitive reviews, uh, customer journey mapping, win-loss analysis, and, and ultimately persona creation, right? And they, they all kind of build to that. Second is positioning products and developing messaging strategies for the target audience. So some of the processes in here, or really the only process in here <laughs> is developing a positioning and messaging document. So really focusing on how do we position this product? And what are the messages that we, uh, that we tell? Third is developing a go-to-market strategy and then managing um, the, the product launch itself. So the processes for this is the GTM strategy. So actually like setting the stage for the GTM uh, as well as managing the launch process. And then fourth would be really focusing on driving adoption um, and optimization, utilizing some different customer and market insights. So the processes for this would be to run user research sessions, you know, conducting A-B testing, and then ultimately post-launch marketing. Um, so thinking again more about this product marketing um, and how do we continue telling its story after the, the GTM launch. Cool. So if there's a process a product marketer should have ownership of, but currently doesn't, what can they do to rectify that situation without stepping on toes? Yeah, definitely. So this, this is definitely a, a pretty challenging question. And I think it's challenging because there's, there's just a lot of variations, right? Mm -hmm. And the situation itself can can really vary quite broadly based on 
you know, the level of process. So depending on, on, you know, where it sits, is it a, an associate level process or is it like a VP level process, uh, who the owner or owners are and, and ultimately your relationship with the person who you report to, right. Mm-hmm. For, for some, it, it could be as simple as just going directly to the person who you report to, um, you know, talk to them about this process that you want to own and then ultimately devising a strategy with them to, to build influence and, and focus on ways that you can really get that ownership and, and kind of insert yourself into that, that situation. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to challenge myself a little bit and I'm going to think through a more formal process, right? <laughs> okay. So, so first, probably what I would do. So first, what I would do is understand the situation right? And, and really get a good understanding of what exactly you want to own. So think about the core areas and where you'd fit in best, right? Sometimes there are processes that have uh, multiple different stakeholders and multiple different owners. So there might just be a subsection of the larger process that you want to own. So really focus on where you'd kind of fit in in that. Then also consider why the person who owns it owns it. Um, so think about what are, what are the reasons, what are the, the ways that the company has set up? What are the, the areas as to how this person came to owning it to, to really get a good understanding of the background and just keep in mind too, if you're kind of late in the process and, you know, say for instance, it's a, it's a product launch or something like that. And you're only two weeks out, it's probably not the best time to to start trying to kind of influence yourself in, into that process. Yeah. Um, and you might have to wait until the next one, but just keep in mind that background and get it, get a better understanding of it. From there, probably the next stage would be to, to really focus on how you can join in on the project or review the process from the owner themselves. Um, so again, just really focusing on how you can collect as much information as possible. And, and really that kind of lends itself well into finding an opportunity to insert influence, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to identify gaps and we want to identify the way that you can provide your value to the process, right? What are the things that make you invaluable? What are the insights that you have that no one else can provide and, and kind of go through that process of like, where, where do you, add that value and why should you be the owner, right? Think about the actions that you would take to fix the proverbial gap. Mm -hmm. Then what I I would do is talk to the person who you report to, right? And present your findings. So set up a meeting, explain to them the opportunity and and ultimately why you should own this process or project. Um, You know, talk about the value that you add and then ultimately your approach. And I think the important thing here is to get their feedback. You might not know that there is, you know, a a certain reason why the, you know, the reporting structure is set the way that it is. It might be based on an antiquated thinking. It might be something that, that, you know, you just don't see. And ultimately the person who you report to should be the one who can help you with navigating a little bit of the the politics um, behind that process. The other thing is you want to arm them with, with documentation, right? So you want to give them a deck or something like that, that has your findings kind of walks through this decision-making. And really the goal of that would be when they go to 
their director or their executive or whoever they need to talk to, to, to kind of vocalize this movement, they need something that they can share. So that person can then make a decision. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that's really critical from there. Um, you know, again, it, it entirely depends on the situation, but there could be a, a situation where you meet with the, you know, required stakeholders or the boss's boss um, and offer the proposal on how to fill the gap. And again, this is where that documentation would come in handy because ultimately you have something to lean back on and you have something to talk to. Then lastly, um, if all goes well and, and you do end up getting the process or project and you get that ownership, take ownership and deliver, right? Mm-hmm. You want to you wanna really impress people because if you were able to, to kind of pull something away you really want to focus on how you can highlight yourself, how you can illustrate the amazing work that you've done um, and you're going to continue delivering. And ultimately what that will do is it'll help you with building your influence in your organization. It'll help you in future situations when you're looking to, you know, potentially take on more ownership. Um, It's just all around. It's, it's what you, what you always want to do is, is own it, deliver, and then also be vocal. Right, and make sure that you share your wins. You you talk about the the sex the success. Bleh. You talk about the successes of your team. You talk about all of these wonderful things that you're now able to do because you're an owner, and it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Excellent. So we like to kind of wrap things up in the show with some tips or best practices. So do you have any tips or best practices on gathering and implementing customer feedback? Yeah, definitely. So at Upwork, we have a research team who conducts a lot of studies for us. So <laughs> I'm, I'm very spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never actually had a research team prior to, to coming to, to Upwork. So um, it's, it's a wonderful luxury to have, though I do still think it's incredibly important to um, you know interview clients and ask questions. I still do it. Um, and, and I think it really helps you when it comes to putting yourselves yourself into the shoes of your customer. Um, so yeah, I'd say some of the tips that I have are first, these experiences are really invaluable, right? So test early and test often at the end of the day. Um, you know, the, these people who you're testing with, they're going to be the end users of your product. So make sure that you ask, really meaningful questions early on so that you can really inform your thinking and start kind of focusing on your direction. There's nothing worse than creating an entire positioning and messaging statement that you've you know, painstakingly made over, <laughs> over weeks at a time to then ultimately have everything fall apart, um, you know, at launch. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and really it, it's so key to, to get that feedback and to really understand what, your customers are thinking and what they're responding to. Um, next would be to go in with an open mindset. So again, this is incredibly important. Go in and expect to hear negative feedback. You know, there's, there's probably going to be issues that you haven't even thought of. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, that's, that's important. That's the whole point of doing research is to really understand what are your customers thinking and how you can create the tools and the processes and the messaging to make sure that, you know, you're aligned with their expectations. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, um, don't just talk to power users. I feel like I've learned so much from people who are casual users or people who, who you know, have logged into the platform once or twice. 
maybe they had a hard time with, with, you know, finding what it was that they needed, yeah. knowing that information and focusing on ways that we can make things easier, make things more client centric is absolutely critical. And you learn that ultimately from people who maybe don't use your product all the time. In addition to that, I, you know, really focus on using your existing customer base, right? So these are the people who are actually using your product. So really get a good understanding from them as to what are the reasons why they use your product. Something that we've done is um, set up customer advisory boards, which mm -hmm. is basically just a, a group of, of customers who come together. You can um, more or less, you set up a process with them where you ask them questions, you share with them new products, um, and they just provide their honest feedback about it. Um, and it, it's a really helpful resource instead of having to consistently go out and find new prospects and find new research subjects to talk to. Um, but if you know you don't have the resources for a customer advisory board, or you know it, it's just too cumbersome, um, there are some really fantastic sites when it comes to customer research and, and just finding people who you can study. Uh, at Upwork, we use a, a website called User Testing, um, but there are tons and tons out there that can help you with finding these prospects and then ultimately, uh, you know, learning from them and getting their feedback. After you've run your session, make sure that the raw feedback is made digestible. Um, I've used a couple different workflows for this. Um, first is just using a, a Google slide. Um, so just really having kind of core breakdowns with specific call outs to, you know, items that need to be updated or changed or issues with messaging or whatever it may be. Um, second is, is a more kind of workflow process, which would be using Trello. Mm -hmm. Um, so actually taking all of these insights and turning them into cards on a board, um, and then using kind of the, the Kanban flow and moving cards through and being able to assign them to people and, and make these changes. So it really kind of varies on how you want to go through the process of making changes. Um, and then lastly, share your findings, right? So it's incredibly important. You put all this effort and time and energy into, you know, asking people questions, getting their feedback, um, you know, finding them in the first place. So making sure that you share your findings with, you know, your, your broader team um, and, and make sure that the, the product team and channel owners and everyone else make the necessary refinements that are documented um, throughout your, your studies. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Matthew. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me. No, no problem. It was our pleasure. Um, there's so much great advice in there that um, I'm sure our listeners will get a lot out of it. So again, thanks very much and take care. Great. Thanks, Emma. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.